Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? We read Matthew chapter 19 at verse 16, where this, this young man came to Jesus and he had a question for him, and he said, What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And he was expressing, he was expressing a thought that was shared by most, and is shared now, by most of the Western world. And a great deal of the Eastern world also, those who have heard about Jesus Christ in the Gospels. And what he was asking was, what, what do I need to do to improve myself so that I can enter the kingdom of heaven? And basically, he was expressing a, an idea that, you know, my life is essentially okay. But I just need a little bit of something else to uh, finish my life and make it perfect. So he said, what good thing must I do? So he, he's, wanting, he's wanting to get some information, some advice about, I need an adjustment. I understand that. I need some adjustment in my life, but not anything major. I just need to know something that I need to do additional, and that'll be kind of like putting icing on the cake for my life. I, I want to feel good about myself, and I do feel good about myself, but there's an adjustment I need to make that will make me feel really good about myself. And that's Usually that's what a New Year's resolution is. We, we say, uh, well, this time of the year, it's time to think about what's coming in the future. We've been thinking about Jesus over these past few weeks, and he's the, he's the focal point in a lot of people's lives, and he's a focal point in a lot of people's lives that don't even have him in their lives because they've been thinking about his birth. But now then we're thinking about what's coming this next year. Maybe it's time to make a few minor adjustments, things that we want to change about ourselves, kind of like fine-tuning an automobile, make it run a little smoother this year than it has before. Maybe I'll, I'll take off a little weight. I'll make a New Year's resolution. Take off a little weight. I'll, I'll diet. Um, or I'll be a little more patient with people. I won't... Uh, won't be so intemperate with others, and I'll watch my language. I won't, I won't be quite as crass and crude in what, of what I say. Maybe I'll finish some projects. I, I can start a lot of things, but I haven't finished anything lately. Or, or maybe I, I won't lose my temper as easily as I've been losing my temper. It is realistically, when we make a New Year's resolution, it's realistically just glossing over and polishing the surface of part of our character that has some deep flaws in it, basically. We're not wanting to change the basic nature of our character. We just want to polish it so that it looks better to people around us, to ourselves. We don't want to change that fundamental character, but we want to do a little better. But I don't want to touch that underlying nature that makes the flaws bubble to the surface. I just want to keep the bubbles down. So I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. Resolution. Some of the most popular resolutions that have to do with making character changes and so forth is, I'm going to stop smoking. Well, that, that's easy to say, huh? I'm going to quit drinking. I won't use recreational drugs anymore. I'll quit binge eating. I won't gossip as much. I won't gamble anymore. 
I'll, I'll get better at completing some tasks. I'll treat others with more respect. I'll quit worrying. I'll be more upbeat. Lose weight. I'll move on with my life. New Year's resolutions. The majority of our resolutions are severely modified. We're not wanting to totally eliminate things. We just want to make some modifications with changes of the little things. Move them around a little bit. Those who do the polls, those who run around asking questions, well, did you do it or did you not do it? Those who have polls have taken polls about New Year's resolutions, and they do. People take polls of everything. But they take polls of those who said, I'm going to change something. And they take the polls and say, well, how many of you got that done this year? And they say, well, 30%, only 30% of those who make those resolutions actually do anything coming close to what they said they were going to do. They reveal that uh, we really don't, don't accomplish that much by resolution. Well, why make them then? Well... We make a resolution because it's a noble intention. We want to better ourselves. And we want to improve our environment. Why not be happier? Why not have a more productive life? Why not rid ourselves of guilt? Why not be a more pleasant person to be around? Sometimes it works. We do better. We feel better. People around us benefit from our efforts. But why doesn't it always work? There's the issue. Why doesn't it always work? Because of, of what we call a habit. Habits are ingrained. They're part of our daily life. A habit is part of our hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly life. It's something we do all the time. And the longer we do it, the more it in, becomes ingrained in our, cap, our character. We are controlled by our habits. They tell us what to do and when to do it. Our habits often become so strong a chain that we can't break them. We just can't get out of them. Look at alcohol and drug addiction if you want to know how strong a habit is. Smoking. We live for the time that we can indulge our habit. As a matter of fact, that's what our life revolves around, our habit. So when we resolve, I'm going to quit, think about it a minute, because that's probably your whole life. That's what you've, what you've arranged your life around. And you've arranged your friendships around. You've arranged, you, you have arranged your environment around your habit. You want to be around people who endorse that habit, who tolerate that habit who accept that habit, who will enable that habit, and you stay away from people that disagree with your habit and that do not like your habit. So what we're doing is we're letting our habit drive our lives, and when we say, I'm going to quit, wow. You know, habits habits are something that... Uh, just not that easily changed because they're ingrained in our character. We've done them over and over and over again. Pornography is the same thing as alcohol addiction. We, we find people who agree that pornography is okay. We have magazines that, that tout it. We have advertising on TV that tout it. So we're, we're looking for those who accept the fact that this is okay. 
Sexual perversion is okay. And we even have laws that protect it now. So it's, it's not easy to break these kind of habits, is it? When people endorse it and they encourage it and they're all around it. And it's, well, obviously, it's tough to quit smoking because everybody now in this, this nation says, well, you shouldn't be smoking. But we smoke anyway because it's a habit. And we find people that accept and endorse that. Well, I'm, not, I'm just not picking on smoking. It's just about anything that we do that gains control of us. As parents and as people who have grown older, we know this, that it is easier not to start something than it is to stop something. You can start anything, but you can't stop everything. You can't do it. Sometimes we, we, just, we just forget that notion and we don't nip it in the bud. That's, that's an old proverb we have. Don't get something started that you can't stop. So nip it in the bud. Get it before it becomes full-blown, full-grown. Catch it in its early stages. Think of it this way. It's easier to stop a child pulling a real, little red wagon than it is to stop a raging locomotive under full pressure. So you can stop something before it gets started. But it's tough to stop it once it gets rolling. Of course, there, these, these, these are Bible principles I'm talking about too. I'm not just talking about different things that we'd like to modify in our life, like a diet, losing weight, going to the gym more often, things of this nature. And the deceptive aspect of the New Year's, New Year's resolution are the deceptive aspect is that we believe that we, we can make just a few minor adjustments and those minor adjustments can take care of the problem. Jesus said when he's talking about changing he said it's not just a minor adjustment I think we're having trouble with our audio one. I'm going, to, I'm going to stop just a minute. Maybe move my microphone into so that let's see how's that better? Not better. Some say better, some say not better. That didn't that okay? Always some to be and some to don't. Okay, now we're better. Let's talk about minor adjustments. Minor adjustments are deceptive. If you're trying to make a minor adjustment of your habit, it's not going to work. Because our habits are symptomatic of an underlying foundational flaw. Jesus talked about some individuals called Pharisees who in his time saw things in their lives as minor adjustments. For instance, the way their religion was practiced was this, that whatever they, whatever God said do and don't do, that's what they did as best they could. But they didn't deal with why they were doing it or not doing it. They weren't dealing with the heart. They were dealing with the symptom. And that's when Jesus made the change, of course. He said, we, we have to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. We have to love one another as ourselves. So he's talking about 
reaching down into the foundational aspect of our being and making a change there. And therefore, what you'll see that comes to the surface will be something different than what comes if we don't make the change below. We're looking at surface things. So in, in Matthew chapter 15, there was a group of men who came and, and confronted Jesus and said, uh, we think your disciples are on the wrong track. They're not washing their hands before they eat. Now the, the process they were making at that time was, or the, the uh, conclusion they were drawing at that time was, that they felt like that a person could be defiled, that is, that individuals that they were associating with could actually defile them as individuals by getting the dirt of their character on them through actually washing hands or through uh, touching each other. And so they wouldn't eat out of the same platters. They wouldn't drink out of the same cups. Matter of fact, they wouldn't touch people that they felt like were diseased with sin. And what Jesus was telling them was that this is not the way it works. Washing your hands is not going to take care of the issues. The issue is deeper than that. And the issue, he said, was, was what was in the heart. So they went through a process of washing. They had to wash their hands before they ate because they were washing off the, the uh, Gentile nature that they thought might have gotten on to them through their relationship during commerce. So they would wash several different times, sometimes as many as six different times before they would actually eat. And so the Pharisees were saying, your disciples are, are violating the tradition of the elders by not washing their hands. And Jesus said, you're, you're violating the commandment of God by your tradition. Then he says, Matthew 15, he said, do, do not you understand that whatsoever enters into the mouth goes into the belly and is cast out into the draft, that those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Now, here the point is, he's saying here's where these symptoms come from. Here's where these habits come from. He said it's not just something on the surface. It's coming out of the source, the wellspring of your life. He's saying it's coming out of your heart. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiles not a man. So Jesus pinpointed it. He said the heart is the wellspring of a person's life. If the heart is cracked, and has a serious flaw in it, and is split, then the symptoms are going to show up by your behavior. So what do you do? Well, we change our, we make a resolution. Well, we're not going to do that little thing again. We're going to kind of smooth it over. So I'm going to make a resolution. I won't do that again. I won't use as many bad words as I used before. You see. I won't look at as much pornography as I did before. I won't get as drunk as I got before. You see, so what we're saying is we're making a resolution to make ourselves feel better when in fact we're still not dealing with the major issue. And you know, psychiatrists and psychologists will tell you the same thing. Same thing. You can't just deal with a minor flaw and take care of your character. Cosmetic improvements may make us look better to ourselves and to others, but it's like putting lipstick on a pig. You, you don't improve the, the relationship that much because it's going to show up sooner or later. Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. So you know where the fruit comes from? It comes from the root 
of the tree that supports the branches that puts on the fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. And he also said that when you, when you decide to wash cup and platter, he said don't just make the outside clean. He said to wash the inside of the cup and platter, making them clean in Luke chapter 11, verse 39. Now the point he's making is take care of the root source of the difficulty, clean up the inside, the root of your being, so that the outside will reflect what's really there. Okay. Jesus and His apostles called this a new life. We start a new life. Now then we're talking about a foundational change. Not just a resolution, a foundational change. We're going to change something that actually alters our whole life. Not just surface stuff. But something that alters our whole life. This total remake that we share, the traits that are described in the New Testament, belongs to the old man, so we see what we look like the old man, and the new man that we have under Jesus Christ. Acknowledging this, that just a slight modification of these things is not sufficient, society even is on board with this. We know that just making a few modifications will not change an individual. There has to be a fundamental, deep down foundational change before there is a change in behavior. Society sets aside the impact of Jesus and says, okay, we can do this. We can get you to change. We can make you over. We'll do a makeover. Ladies know what a makeover is. But what, what, uh, what the psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and self-help people are saying is, we, we can help you change. We can make your life better for you. And so there's no end of seminars that are given all over the country, everywhere. It's a money-making project. We'll make you a better person. We'll help you improve your life. Self-improvement, that's what it's all about. Self-improvement. We'll write some self-help books. All you have to do is go to the library and look at the self-help section and you can find out what everybody thinks about what you need to do to help yourself. You get better. They establish clinics and form group therapies. Invent aids like diets and uh, chewing gum. And they mold aversion techniques where you resort to shame and self-flagellation to try to make the change. But we all must admit that it's not easy. It's not easy to lose weight. It's not easy to stop smoking. It's not easy to get off alcohol. It's not easy to be patient. It's not easy to control our tempers. It's not easy to finish the task. And it's not easy to improve our personality. It's just not easy. It takes some effort. Life changes are not as simple as changing your wardrobe and getting up to date. It's not as simple, although it is difficult, to change hairdressers. That's tough. Or to change dentists. Or to change doctors. Actually, or we need help for even the simplest changes that we make. It's the big changes that cry out for assistance. We need some assistance. We need something that will help us make the life-altering resolutions that are possible and practical. And it's best, when you think about this, now 
I'm talking about New Year's resolutions because we're thinking about them. But I'm also talking about New Year's resolutions like they're probably not going to work. But there are some resolutions that will work if we decide, deep down, I need to change. I'm a booger of a guy. People don't want to be around me. People don't like my language. People do not like my habits. I insult people. I, I intimidate people. I'm just not a good person to be around. I'm a, I'm, I give everybody a downer when I'm around them. Or I make them, I make them uh, feel bad about themselves and so forth. Here, here are things that, about my character that need to be altered, and these are deep cleaning character. We're not looking at just making a little surface change. Changing your language? Well, when you, when you say I'm going to quit using the F word as much, the problem is that it's sometimes rooted, it's rooted in the deep part of your character. I'm just not going to use that word as much. Why? Because your character uses bad language. Well, okay. How am I going to get that worked out? There's the issue. Now, making a resolution, I'm not going to cuss as much. I'm not going to drink as much. I'm not going to do this as much. If we're really serious about making a change, get ready for a deep cleaning rather than just a surface change because Jesus comes in to make a deep cleaning. He's not just going to dust the spider legs off, dust the top of your counters. He's going to change you. He's going to change you deep down. If you invite Jesus into your home, He's going to make some, some significant changes in your life. He's going to come in and say, Oh, you've got some dirty dishes in the sink. Wash them up. Get them washed. And keep them clean. Huh. Pick up your socks and your underwear and your clothes and put them in the clothes hamper and put them in the wash and dryer and get them clean. And keep it that way. Keep the floor clean. Keep your room clean. He's not going to just say, run the, run the mop once in a while. He's going to say, keep those floors clean. When He comes into our house, He's going to do some deep cleaning. And we need to expect that. If I want to change, and if I want to quit making these silly little surface resolutions, then I'm going to say, Lord, I'm ready. Let's get some changes going here. Let's, let's, let's help me get out of my problems. Now, can He do that? Can Jesus do that? Well, I think I'm talking to people who know that when Jesus died on the cross, He died to save us from our sin. And what He did basically, and we understand this, that Jesus stood in my place on Calvary and He took the punishment that I was supposed to take in judgment. He said, okay, you have committed the sins. I'm going to pay the price. He gave Himself for us. He died for us. Okay. And what He, what he accomplished at that point was, it's like we are hoarders and we've just cluttered up our lives with so much stuff. And Jesus came in and He said, this is cleaned It's gone. It's all gone. That's exactly what He did. Every sin that I committed, when I was baptized into Jesus Christ, He washed me in His own blood. 
He raised me to walk in newness of life. He said, he, he gave me a new way to go. So all of a sudden, everything that I've done before, wrong, he said, I've, I've taken care of that. Now, here's, here's how he says it over in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. He's talking to these people who are in the same situation that we're in because they had, they had come to Jesus and they came to be cleansed and taken care of. He says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and by the Spirit of our God. Now look at those heinous crimes that were committed. Man, he has a, he has a rogues list of sins. And he said, I, I took care of all of that. I took care of all that. But he uses a word here that we sometimes gloss over. He, he took care of all those sins. But he said, you're washed? Okay. So all of my sins are taken away. Then he said, you're justified, which means you can stand before God now, and He's not going to commit you to a devil's hell. You're saved. But he said, you're sanctified. Now we know what that word sanctified means. You know what it means? We've been using it for the last nine months here. It's it, one of the most prominent features of our lives. It means you have been sanctified. You've been sanctified. How do we sanitize our lives? How do we sanitize our homes? What we're told to do is, because we've got a germ going around, we put a mask on our face. But we wash our hands and wash our hands and wash our hands. And then when we go into our house, because that's a safe abode, we go into our house and we use some products that, this, that the, uh, the specific companies in this country are telling us to use to sanitize and clean our kitchens or clean our bathrooms or clean our bedrooms or our house. We just sanitize our house. We use all these antibiotic products and we wash our house down and we keep it clean. That's what the word sanctified means. Keep it clean. Okay. So he says, you're washed, you are sanctified. Now, what we do at that point is keep it clean. Don't bring the junk back in. Don't get involved again in these habits as you've had before. You are a fornicator. Don't bring your fornication back in. You're sanctified. Sanitized. Your environment is sanitized. It's supposed to be. That's what he's telling you. Now, that's not always easy to do, is it? Okay. So let's get down to the resolutions that we can make as Christians. And the resolutions that we make basically are going to be more deep-seated than those that are typically made. These resolutions are going to be, well, I know, Lord, that the things that I read in your New Testament, in Colossians chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 4, and texts like this, that list all the crimes and sins that we do, I know these are wrong, and I need to change. I need to get these out of my life. So what I do, to start with, we have help. So now then, let's face the new year together. Let's face it. How am I going to make the changes that I need to make in my life 
that will reflect the change outwardly. It's not just changing my makeup and my hairstyle and so forth, but it's changing who I am. How can I change that? Man? Well, he gave us the tools to make the changes. To, to actually keep the resolution. We have the tool. The first tool we have is, of course, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we look at, and when we look at this, we can see ourselves. Now, when I look at this sometimes, when I'm reading the Bible, and I've done this, and I shouldn't do it, and you shouldn't do it either. When I'm reading the New Testament, and I see something that's wrong, that's going on, something despiteful and bad and evil, Instead of looking at you and saying, I know who does that. I know, I know, I, I know, I've got a neighbor it's just like that. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel is about me seeing myself in this, me looking at myself. Paul said, We, as in a mirror, are face to face. We see ourselves and we're changed from glory to glory. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, at verse 18. So I have a mirror, I have a gospel mirror. As I'm reading the New Testament, I'm seeing things that are wrong for me to do. Wrong for you too. But basically, the first tool I have is, I need to see myself. How am I? And you need to see yourself. I don't need to see what kind of person you are. And that's, of course, it's the same thing that it was taught by Jesus when He talked about Matthew chapter 7, the moat that's in your brother's eye. You're going to pick that out while you've got a beam in your own eye. So He's actually telling us to be careful. Look at yourself. Okay, so the first tool I have to make a change is that uh, I can see myself and who I am in the gospel. And the second thing, and probably the most important part here is, the second thing I can do, and I'm talking to Christians now who started a new life, you've had all your sins forgiven, they're all gone, and now you're trying to sanctify yourself, you're trying to sanitize your life. Okay, here we are. Now, the next tool I have, first of all, I can see the dirt around me, right? I look in the mirror, and it's like looking in my house and saying, well, I, I can see things are getting dirty and I need to clean them up. So the second tool I have is that I can feel the gentle presence of Jesus in my heart telling me, Bill, you are better than that. Don't do that. You're better than me. He tells me that. You say, well, where did he say that? Well, of course, it says it all through the New Testament that we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. But basically, I, I found a text that I think relates directly to this. Jesus came into Jerusalem. He was on his way to Jerusalem to encounter some people and teach them in John chapter 5. And he came upon a man who had been crippled, lame, for 38 years. Lame in his feet, apparently. Couldn't walk. And he told the man to get up, take your bed, and walk. How does that strike you? He healed the guy. But you know what he told him to do? He said, get up and take up your bed and walk. Now, why didn't Jesus say, get up and I'll carry your bed for you? He didn't, did he? He said, I'll, I'll help you to walk, but you're going to carry your own bed. Get up and you carry your bed and walk. So what Jesus does for us, what He can do for us, what He does for me, He does. 
But he said, you got to do some, some things yourself. Carry your own bed, Bill. Take up your bed and walk. Get up and carry it yourself. So I can cooperate with Jesus. He's gently within me. And He's done the hard work for me. He's done everything that is needed to be for me. But now He says, you, you've got to do something. Carry your bed. You have to carry something. So I've got the tools to do that. I've got the presence of Jesus. He's doing the hard stuff. And He says, you do the easy stuff. And in addition to this, if I want to make a resolution and change my life, deep down, there are many hands that are reaching down to pick me up. There are believing brothers and sisters in Christ, believers, who care about me and want me to do better and want me to strive and to improve. They want me to change. They want me to keep my resolutions. There's true warmth in fellowship with those who love the Lord have given their lives for Him to reach down and help me when I can't make it on my own. And they will. And then there's the common sense. So now, that's three things. How can I make my change? Use some common sense. Stay away from those stressful places that will suck me back down into my old habits. Get out, change my environment. If you're having a problem drinking, and you know, the problems come up pretty easily, don't they? It's easy to find an excuse to fall back into a habit. Some, some say, well, I only drink uh, once a day and just kind of calm my nerves. So get out of that stressful situation. Find some way you can get, you can get your nerves under control instead of calming them with alcohol or with drugs. So stay out of that environment. Don't go down to the local bar and sit on the bar stool and think you're going to control that alcoholic problem. Stay out of that situation. Stay out of that stressful situation. Make sure that you are conscious of where you are and the people that you're around. They can either help you or encourage you. Don't look for people who will endorse and enable you to continue in the bad habits that you started. Now that's a, that's a tendency we have. We look for people. You know the old expression, birds of feathers flock together. So if you're looking for people to be around, look, don't look for people who will encourage you and accept your behavior. Don't look for people who will endorse your behavior. Don't look for people who will encourage your behavior. Look for those people, environment, where you, you can find a purity and a nobility of life that will lift you up instead of bringing you back down into those habits. So, you can, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can make a good resolution and with the help of the Lord, with His encouragement, with His cleansing, with His ways, with His people, you can make those changes that will make your life happier, more prosperous, and more encouraging, not only yourself, but to others. God help you in those resolutions.